Jordan is on best. Harper's on middle. Play together, they believe. Um, if there's Levert, it's cold. Levert, back in. Speed. Oh, he's a one-man wrecking crew. Holiday, shot clock down to six. Finds one. three. Welcome to another edition of the Indie Cornrows Podcast. I'm your host, Mark Schindler. Joined, as always, by my co-host and editor, Tom Lewis. Uh, Tom, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you doing that, Mark? Uh, I'm good. I have a lot to talk about, but we're going to condense it because I don't want to, I'm, I'm not going to get heated. It's fine. Um, so the Pacers, <laughs> I, I have some questions about stuff. I, uh, it's the pace Pacers have fallen to, uh, to eight and six, uh, have lost back-to-back games for the second time this season, I believe. Um, 124 to 112 to the Dallas Mavericks at home at uh, Banker's Life coming off of the Western Conference road trip. Um, I don't know about you, but personally, I felt the the game never even felt that close to me. Um, it, it doesn't feel as close as the the final score decides. I know obviously the Pacers went up at the beginning of the fourth quarter. Uh, I was kind of close at the end of the third. I mean, it was very close at the end of the third. Um, it was close at halftime too. But ultimately, I just felt like this team was always uh, kind of running uphill on a treadmill when the, the Mavericks were, you know, walking leisurely on with no incline on, on the treadmill next to him. Um, at least that's how it felt to me looking at them defensively. I, I want to get into it more granularly in a second, but um, just kind of, you know, your quick like takeaway from the game. What was, uh, what was kind of your main thought from it? Yeah, I had, I had a similar feeling just uh, because of the way the game started out. Um, and then, you know, the first half, I mean, they, the uh, Mavericks got so many layups um, and Pacers were actually, you know, missing shots here and there that, you know, you, you would hope to make and and everything was a struggle. And I did, I did kind of the same thing. And, and at one point in the first half, um, I'm like, God, they're only down three. Feels like they're down 15, you know? It I mean, the way like the game is being played. But it's like, like you say, I mean, the, um, you know, the Mavericks were in control of the game. And, you know, for whatever reason, that was that was the pack. I mean, Luca was. They, they were definitely trying to take Luca away, and then, um, you know, he was able to find open open guys early. Uh, but then the killer was, you know, Trey Burke came came in and just filled it up, and that helped bridge the minutes when Luca was down. And um, yeah, the pace was just they, they ran out of gas for sure. Yeah. Okay, so here, this is, I, I was so perplexed uh, by what they were doing tonight. You know, again, I've, I always throw this out there. I'm not an X's and O's genius. If you want to talk to an X's and O's genius, that's Caitlin. Um, and, you know, it's just, it, it was really confusing tonight because they were playing a really aggressive ball, ball, ball handler trapping scheme. You know, every time there was a pick and roll with Luka, they were trapping extremely hard. And then they would try and do a hedge, uh, just a really hard hedge and recover. Um, that was a big reason for why Trey Burke scored so much. I mean, they were helping off of Trey Burke or anyone um, in order to, uh, to to double Luka. And it was just a little confusing to me because with the level of passer that Luka Doncic is, it just didn't make a lot of sense to do that. And it, I mean, we saw within four or five possessions, I mean, Chris Stapps, Porzingis would just slip through the middle 
And I think he had eight points in the first quarter before the first time out. And all of them were off of completely uncontested layups and dunks. And then the uh, his fourth bucket, uh, that was the eighth point, was on a putback. Um, I just was really confused by it. I understand that this, the idea of Nate Bjorkman's scheme is to be really aggressive and force turnovers. But when uh, to me, it felt like they were playing like Miles Turner was still there in the lineup. And very clearly, he was not there because there was no one who could rotate – weak side from the weak side and actually contest something at the rim. I mean, there were a couple times where if there was a small on small on a drive, then yeah, there would be actually Jeremy lamb had a really nice rotation as a low man and stopped, uh, stopped Luca. Um, that was few and far between. I mean, we saw at the end, Willie Colley Stein just picked them apart on lobs at the end, or I should say Willie Colley Stein was open for lobs and Luca picked them apart at the end. Um, Chris Porzingis again, like almost all of his buckets came at the rim or from three, he had one from three, but almost every, he was 12 of 15, three of his shots were from three. So he's shooting what, like 80%, you know, and that's because he's getting everything at the rim. Um, again, like I, I get it. I understand wanting to be aggressive. Delmas isn't a traditional rim protector, but to me, it just feels like if you tried to switch things up a little bit and be a little bit more conservative, I mean, we saw them play one-on-one with Luca and then just help instead of, trying to trap ball screens um and that seemed a lot more effective and they ran a box in one and that seemed more effective part of it was Luca being hobbled a little bit too um but when they were forcing others to make plays instead of allowing Luca to pick apart the defense it just felt a lot more effective I I'm, I'm gonna go back through tomorrow and watch um again I, I just want to iterate Nate Bjorkman way smarter at the stuff than I am but it's just in watching it it was very uh it was I just I, I I'm I'm pretty confused by it because we've seen this now for a couple games in a row uh, with Miles out, but I'm wondering where you're at with it and your kind of thoughts on it. Yeah, I mean I think Dallas did a good job also of you know just attacking um, the defenders out there, um, making you know forcing it to the hoop because really. So the other problem with uh, pressure defense is that they're struggling, you know, too many guys struggling to keep the ball in front of them when they, when they are just playing straight up. Um, and Dallas did a good job of forcing the ball, you know, trying to drive and get by guys and, and drop fouls, you know, and we got Rodman and Thomas and, and McDermott, you know, that that's not their strength. And so when they give that up, you know, no matter how aggressive they're going to be, if, you know, again, if Miles isn't behind them, um, then they end up having a foul or give up a layup. And uh, so, yeah, I, I did, you know, did seem like they jumped things up um, um, in the second half with some different zones and, and different approaches and, and it worked. And then really the killer was the Dallas zone defense uh, in the fourth quarter. Yeah. Just get the pace of fits. And, um, and that flipped the game really back in their favor. But, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a, you know, it, took, it seemed like it just took so long to make an adjustment on that in that first half when it was just like layup after layup, it seemed like. I mean, I, I looked at the shots right at the half, and I was like, man, they only had, you know, like 34 of their points in the paint. It seemed low, you know, because they had whatever, 65 or whatever. Mm-hmm. And... Um, um, so yeah, that, that, and I don't know where, where, you know, the defense changed playing that 
style would come from, you know, on the bench or anything. But, you know, I, I don't really think they have the personnel to, to do that either. I mean, I think they're going to have to to mix thing, continually mix things up right from the get-go, it seems like. But we'll see. That's two games in a row now. Um, so hopefully Miles will be back sooner, sooner rather than later. Yeah, I agree. The team definitely needs to. Um, I, I think, you know, that like we'll talk about one thing positive really quick before we get into anything else negative. Jeremy Lamb was back tonight, first game in almost yep. a year. Um, and he was actually pretty good tonight. I thought that we, yeah. I'm not going to nitpick his defense because he, this is his first game back. He actually did some nice things defensively. He had that strip and steal um, and uh, had the layup down at the other end off the TJ McConnell hustle and then pass. Um he, like I mentioned, he had that nice rotation as a low man. I think he scored 10 points tonight and just had, like, a pretty solid night. And he, he looked uh, – again, I want to go back and look. But overall, I mean, he looked like Jeremy Lamb, which was cool. Yeah, he did. I mean, he looked he looked like he was ready to go. I mean, honestly, that um, – you know, maybe his mind was more rusty than his actual game. I felt like it was actually his physical game. Um, you know, he was getting back into it. But, you know – didn't really see him take a, you know, a hard burst to try and dunk or, or anything where, where he had to take off and land and all that. But he had plenty of plenty of game out there to, to uh, play with. And it was nice to get him out there. And, and um, he's just going to have to work in. Obviously, you know, I say his, his mind was rusty, but it's also a completely new system he's running. I mean, he's sure he was – things were spinning out there as so he was trying to be in the right spot. So, um and that's the only way he's going to do that is play. So, um, but it'll be, I've been interested to see how they go here going forward if um, it kind of keeps them in that six-man role. I kind of feel like they would just because, you know, you don't want to play them a ton of minutes for one. Um, and also that's kind of going to be his natural role at some point. So hopefully at some point in this season, um, yeah. it'll be a natural six-man. <laughs> So, but yeah, that, that was definitely, definitely positive. Yeah. Um, yeah. Nate in the, uh, I, I don't know if you caught the post game presser, but in the post game presser, Nate said that he plans to keep, uh, he likes, he, he likes Jeremy as a six man moving forward and wants to keep him there. Um, and he yeah. doesn't have a minutes restriction, which is uh, interesting too. Um, he said that he just didn't want to play him more than that tonight. He just said a gut feeling, I believe was, it, was his exact wording. Um, which obviously, you know, it's good. He, uh, I actually thought part of the uh, his defensive matchup a lot of the night he got put on James Johnson. Um, I actually thought James Johnson was killer tonight. Uh, he ultimately, like, I mean, his box score wasn't anything crazy, but um, he's going to be. You look at him; he's the kind of player that the Pacers are going to have trouble with all year. Um, you know, he's he can rebound. He plays defense. He's really strong. And he actually has a really good handle, too. I mean, he finished with six points, six boards, two assists. Uh, missed all of his threes. But uh, he caused a lot of issues matchup-wise because you had guys like Justin or Jeremy playing on him. And James Johnson is 6'8", 6'9", 240. Like, that is a tough yeah. matchup. So we're going to see that a lot throughout the year. Um, it just caused rotations because if he's down low, somebody has to rotate onto him. Um so while he wasn't exactly the one who was giving them a ton of points, uh, he's somebody who was creating a lot of issues. Um, you know, in, in talking about Jeremy too and the postgame presser, uh, luckily, uh, you know, Tony East from Forbes and, and Lockdown Pacers asked the question that I was thinking 
uh, immediately actually talked to him right after he asked it to. So I was like, dude, thank you for asking that. Uh, asked Nate Bjorker and why Goga did not play tonight. And um, it was a DMP coach's decision. Uh, there was no health restriction or anything uh, on Goga. Um, I personally did not understand that decision at all. Um, and before I launch into anything, uh, I'm kind of wondering your thoughts on that, Tom. Yeah, and, and he he also didn't – I mean, he didn't make any excuses. He just said, yeah, that was my decision. He didn't play. I got to look at him more. But, yeah. uh, I mean, my thought was, okay, um, Jakarta Samson's back, and he's the next guy in line for those uh, minutes, and, and that's how it's going to be. Um, it, it did – I mean, the length of Dallas today was a problem. And, I mean, that's was one thing reason I thought maybe Gogo would get – some run. Um, I'm not sure what he would have done about it, but um, he might have been able to help help around the rim a little bit. Um, may have been with the shot, but uh, that you know, at this point, obviously he's the you know fourth big in line there behind behind the car, and you know with these tight rotations that Bjork is running, um, I guess you know I guess we shouldn't expect to see him that much. Uh, unless there's some kind of matchup I guess, that that would pop up, but I don't even know if that that would do it at this point. Um, I, I've been thinking, you know, about that all year that you know there would be matchup things that would switch things around, but it seems like the so far it doesn't seem like it. Yeah, keep keep remaining tight no matter what. So uh, yeah, so um, at this point, I guess wither wither go guy. Yeah. Um, see, I don't know. I think. Number one, like you're mentioning, uh, Dallas has a lot of length. And also, too, I want to just shout out Dallas. I mean, their defense is really good now. Uh, I think they're top five in defense right now, uh, which they've been bereft of a lot of their rotation so far. I know Josh Richardson obviously was out tonight. Maxi Cleaver was out. Dwight Powell was out. So, you know, a lot of their top eight guys have been out the last couple of games, and they've still been top five in defense. Um, they just have a lot of guys who know what they're doing. Like Josh Green is not a great offensive player. He's a good cutter can't shoot which it was actually really annoying seeing how hard the players were closing out on him because Josh Green is a non-shooter currently <laughs> um but in in looking at just their personnel they're they're going to be a really good team top to bottom uh Luca's a really good defender too Luca actually forced Domas to pass out multiple times when when Domas pat, uh, posted up on him I actually don't think that Domas scored on him in the in the post at all tonight and I think he only posted up on him three or four times but um had to repost yeah, 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 exactly. He's very strong, and he's been really engaged on defense this year. Um, obviously, Chris Stapps is, like, as Quinn Buckner mentioned on the broadcast tonight about 15 or, or 70 times, um, <laughs> Chris Stapps is long. I mean, it is so hard to get and drive on him. Obviously, I mean, they played double bigs at the end, and that was actually really tough. When they when they played zone with uh, Porzingis and Pauly Stein at the end, yeah. I mean, I think Doug finished with three threes blocked tonight, which was tough for him. Um, but my yeah, point is, have a block, I think. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I mean, my point is, you look at size. <laughs> size matters. I can't believe I said that on a podcast, but it does. Size does matter, especially in, in, in basketball. Um, like you look at, at Goga. I, I know that he's he was not great in his, his showing against the Clippers. Um, he's the only guy on the roster other than Domas tonight at least that had any kind of size to match up in the front court. So I think um, you just had to get him run. You had to get him an opportunity. 
I don't care if he doesn't play well. I mean, like, obviously I want him to play well, but he's 21 years old. Uh, he's played less than a thousand total minutes in the NBA and G league combined. And he was a first round pick. If you're not going to play him on nights like tonight, when you're, uh, when you're down, your starting center. Um, and you need somebody who can play minutes against a, a team with a really big front court. It's sink or swim. You know, at least that's how I view it. I think we saw so many times with, again, you know, we know now TJ leaf was not a first round talent. We know that TJ leaf is not an NBA talent, frankly. Um, but unless you give somebody the opportunity to go in and do it and actually try and develop, then what are we doing here? I mean, G, he's not going to be on the G league roster. Um, He's not going down to the G League bubble unless something drastically changes. Uh, they already yeah. released Fort Wayne's roster, and he's not going to be on it. So I don't know, Tom. I think I'm, I'm not trying to be overly critical or harsh. I just think we've seen this team uh, and organization. I don't want to say this, saying destroy first round picks is definitely the wrong way to put it, but we've seen uh, them really not develop guys who they've drafted. And they made it a point in uh, – in the off season talking about how they really want to uh, run a deeper lineup and get minutes for guys who they draft and develop the young guys. Goga is that young guy right now. I mean, him and Aaron holiday, Aaron's been getting minutes, but like you look at it, I just, I don't see how you can not get Goga, you know, eight to 10 minutes tonight. Um, and I, I hope that changes in the next game. Yeah. It, it's it's going to be a problem because, you know, miles is out. I think Miles is going to be out that long. Yeah. Um, and when he comes back, it certainly isn't going to be any easier to get him in there. Um, so, you know, maybe maybe if Miles comes back, maybe the car has a few more rest days for his back or whatever. But, um, yeah, I, I really thought tonight, just even matchup-wise, even when, when things weren't going well defensively, you know, um, the game kind of flipped when they put in some of those bench guys as usual um, with some energy. Um, and you never know. Jakar could bring some kind of, um, Goga could bring some kind of, Jakar always brings the energy. But Goga could bring some different kind of energy if he gets up and swats a shot or something, you know, um, or hits a shot or, you know, whatever. Might light a, light a fuse and, and, and get something going for him and for the team. Um, but yeah, he's, um, uh, you know, it's sad, but right now I, I just would be surprised if he if he gets to play here um, uh, with the way things are going right now. Uh, it, it's going to be interesting here. Just overall, zooming out big picture, like you know, this injury situation is rough. It's going to be rough to win games. I mean, you look at the upcoming schedule, um, and really any game in, in the league right now with their injury state is going to be hard. Um, so what are you going to get out of this time? Um, I, you know, obviously they're trying to win everything they can. They want to get in the playoffs and hopefully be healthy. Um, but you know, you're just going to bury Sabonis and Brogdon. Um, like tonight, they didn't even play as many minutes as they always do. Almost. I mean, 37, 35. Uh, yeah. Domas played 41 minutes tonight and Malcolm played almost oh, he 38. Up yeah. But they were hard minutes. Yeah. Also, I mean, some games not as hard as others, but they were, you know, when when you're out pressuring the perimeter early in the game like that, uh, those are hard minutes. And then when they were, it was uh, just pulling teeth trying to get shots. 
um, at the end of the game, he said, so and that, you know, was a lot of, you know, heavy lifting um, for those guys. So um, not all men are created equal. Those were rough tonight. I mean, um, even Rodman, he was barely getting the ball to the rim at the end of the game. So at, at some point, you got to just fly with what guys you got and, and um, you know, whether you trust them or not, give it a shot here. Um, it's just, it's just tough because it, it, you know, some of those lines they put them out there and it's like, Oh my God, how are they going to get a bucket here? Um, and I get that. <laughs> um, it's gotta be frustrating for a coach. Um, but, uh, on the other end, I mean, they're stuck. There's not really much you can do. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's not even like a slight to Jakar Sampson. The problem is we know what Jakar Sampson is, um, or that, that even sounds rude to say it that way, um, or not even being rude. Like, Jakar Sampson is a good player, um, but Gogo Batadze, you spent a first-round pick on him. He's, you know, he's almost the youngest. I think yeah. he still is the youngest player on the roster, um, other than Cassius. I think Cassius is, like, just just a little bit younger than him. Um, I, I don't know. But we, enough on that. I, I, I will – trust me, if it happens for a second game, I will have 1,500 <laughs> words on it. Um, and we'll see see what goes with that. Uh, another bright spot I do want to talk about, though, Ed was awesome tonight. I thought Ed was really good on both sides. Yep. And here's part of the problem. Ed was really good, and he played 14 and a half minutes. Like yeah, he, yeah. Obviously, he started, and we saw how well he played. I I understand it. You know, you, you finish with the starters. So uh, Domas, Justin, and Malcolm all play 37, 38 minutes plus. Doug played 34 and a half. Uh, Aaron Holiday actually played the fifth most minutes at 26 and a half. Um, I had only played 14 and a half minutes and I thought I, he probably had the second, second best game on the roster right around there. I think all around, I mean, Domas, I didn't really think had an, I mean, I, it's hard to say when somebody has 25 and 10 that they didn't have a good game, but I thought he, <laughs> no. defensively, he was not great. Tonight, yeah, but again, fight. he was not yeah, in a good position. Um, Malcolm, I thought was good, but again, just in, in the fourth quarter, Malcolm and Domas were just so gassed in the fourth quarter, and it showed. Um, yeah. Like you mentioned with Malcolm just missing a bunch of bunnies, uh, wide-open threes, it felt like he just didn't have the lift on his shot because his legs were so tired from guarding Luka and um, being often at the point of the ball screens and, and having to be on that pressure. Um, I don't know. Just just looking at Ed. But, uh, again, Ed was good. I, I, I just can't iterate that enough. Ed was really good tonight and continues to – to be pretty impressive in the minutes that he's getting. Yeah, I agree. I, I thought that too at the end of the game or in the fourth quarter. I was like, man, I felt like he had an impact and played more than 14 minutes. Yeah. Um, which is a sign that maybe he should have played more than 14 minutes. But yeah, and, and Aaron, he had, he had a rough rough game as well at times. I know, uh, especially down the stretch, he was getting um, his brother and Sabonis were getting on him with defensive um, communication issues or being in the right spot. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and you know, and that's a big thing with him. If he's not bringing the offense, then um, he's going to be struggling when they're kind of junking up their defenses like that. And Sumner can, you know, he has a wide range of defensive possibilities with his with his length. So, um, again, yeah, yeah, Moorhead wouldn't be a bad thing especially in this situation like we're talking about. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. And uh, we'll definitely be looking for it. Um, 
Um, you know, so also another thing and looking at the next game, luckily, uh, Orlando is kind of on a skid right now. They're, uh, they're down 10 to Minnesota currently and Minnesota obviously has not been very good this year, even when Carl, Carl Anthony Towns has been, and they've been a lot better when he's in. Um, but my point is Orlando's got a lot of injuries too. Currently Evan Fournier is out yeah. as far as I'm aware, he's going to be out for the game against the Pacers on, uh, on Friday. Um, obviously Markel Fultz is unfortunately out for the year. Uh, Jonathan Isaac's out for the year. So this is an opportunity that you you kind of have to win this game. But also, again, this is a game where Goga, if you don't play Goga, I'm very concerned because, uh, I mean, there are lineups sometimes where uh, Orlando will run three guys who are non-shooters. Like they'll oftentimes play Ken Birch and Nikola Vucevic together. Nikola Vucevic is a, is a shooter, of course, um, but Ken Birch is not. And they'll have, you know, um, I can't remember which wing right now, but there's there's a wing he's not. You, you get the point. Um but there's just it's a game you got to win but i think what we could come down to is you got to win the games but also you got to do it differently than the last group did because i mean i just keep feeling a little bit like not to be reductive we're uh 14 games in now but it just feels so much still in in a lot of ways obviously the offense and defense are different um but we're having kind of the same overarching conversation about you know needing to to play guys more minutes or to play things differently and be a little bit more mm-hmm. flexible. Um, I don't know. I, I think Orlando's a good opportunity, but then uh, Toronto is trending upwards. They've been playing better lately, and we have that back-to-back against them. Definitely, um, yeah. So the is not getting any easier from here on out. Charlotte is good, too, and they have a lot yeah. of players who are going to be tough because they are a very athletic team. And, you know, today I, I felt like um, – that I mean, Dallas coming in after losing three, they were definitely – you know, can sense more desperate. Um, whereas the Pacers are coming off a road trip, and um, you know that, that's always a, a challenge too. Playing that first mm-hmm. game after a road trip, but but I mean, now the Pacers, you know, you could say, well, the Magic are going to be desperate, but Pacers should be desperate too. <laughs> yeah. Drop the couple. Um, they're trying to you know come together and and survive here, dealing with these injuries. So um, you know, there's no reason for them not to have that same sense of urgency that's for sure yeah no i totally agree um well tom do you have any other kind of big takeaways before we get out of here no i mean one positive i i uh before the game watched miles turner go through his uh workout and really i thought oh man he may play because he had that um you know kind of a bandage wrap on his right hand but he was shooting um you know his regular workout shooting a lot of threes and he shot well um looked pretty good for the most part you know didn't seem to be um dealing with any discomfort or anything so um i you know i feel like after seeing that i would imagine that they want to um have him avoid getting hit obviously so i don't know what the length of time is on that um but like if he had to play if it was a finals Think positive here. No doubt. You're thinking really positive. Hey, let's go. (laughs) Um, Okay, maybe. Yeah, I'm trying to think. What's the lowest, most important game he would have played? (laughs) Um, But apparently, you know, Dallas on a Wednesday night wasn't one of them. But uh, um, so obviously, another couple days as well will help. But um, he's able to work out, able to play, he's going to be able to stay ready to go when he is ready to go. So that was a positive. 
Um, and the fact he's able to shoot, I, you know, that was the thing. It's like, well, it's his shooting hand. That's a problem. Um, let alone his blocking hands. <laughs> uh, but uh, the, the fact he was out there and, and looked pretty good um, was at least a positive and hopefully he won't be out, you know, for an extended period of time. Yeah, I totally agree. I'm really hopeful for him to get back on court just because he's had such an impressive season so far. Um, and again, I, it's it's interesting. It's so the, the 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 dichotomy of kind of breaking down this stuff and talking about it after the game is really different, um, you know, because this team has played really well this season still. They're eight and six, yeah. Um, which I still think I would say is better than I thought they were going to be through 14 games. Um, but yeah, I mean, there are little things we can nitpick. I just think. Um, you know, we see we, we see a lot more and, and we've we've we were kind of led. I don't want to say led to believe a lot, a lot more, but there were there were some things that we, uh, um, you know, the front office and, and coaching staff uh, really preached before the, the season started. And, and we're just kind of waiting to see some of it still. But, uh, Tom, this was good. We will uh, I will have oh, what is tomorrow? I. I should have something up before a pregame for Orlando classes are starting to get the best of me already. It's been three days and classes are already starting to get the best of me. Um, but I, we will of course be doing a post game after Orlando. Um, I have an article dropping shortly and uh, we have a lot of stuff coming up this next week, back to back series against Toronto and then another baseball series, two games in three days against the Charlotte Hornets. Um, Tom, I'm looking forward to talking to you on Friday. Hopefully we have a little bit more of a positive conversation after the game, but uh, regardless, Absolutely. it's going to be a good week. Absolutely. Awesome. Sounds NBA's good. Back. Pitches are back. It's all good. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Uh, well, Tom, it was good to talk to everyone listening. Thank you for listening. Of course, be sure to rate and review us over on Apple podcasts. Uh, shoot us any questions, comments. Um, like to do a mailbag sometime soon. I'm looking at my calendar. Not sure it's going to happen sometime soon. We have so many games back to back to back. Um, but we'll see what we can make happen. Uh, of course, read us over at Indy Cornrows. And most importantly, just have a good rest of your day.